rise and shine, Wiffle Nation. Josh Smith here, and it's Friday, April 14th. Thank God, another week come and gone. But we are rewarded for our toils during these weekdays lately as it's April. And that means one thing. Wiffle Ball Leagues are back, baby. I'm honored to be welcomed back to host Fridays for Season 15 of the Holy Commutes Podcast. I really want to thank the Steffes brothers for handing it off from yesterday really enjoying that mineral man soundtrack really digging that now last week's episode that i did was i'm just gonna admit it uh some classic case hand me down (laughs) content that i felt a little bad about that although i do work hard on our league podcast so all in all i hope listeners were entertained by it but to make amends even if it's just with myself i wanted to bring you something special or at least different today Ever since my league was created back in 2012, I've crafted wiffle ball cards for the players. It's among one of the most cherished things that the players still talk about even after all these years. When I was growing up, I collected baseball cards. It started with bringing together just whatever cards I can get my hands on as a kid. Some of them were from my mom's collection or my cousins, etc. But we didn't have much growing up, and I had a very small allowance. And we would go to the discount store sometimes during the summer vacation when my mom ran errands. And I'd stare at some of the markdown cards from the late 80s and 90s, such as Donruss or Triple Deck. Not only because they were just what I could afford, but I was enamored with the style of the photos and illustrations that graced the cardboard. I played Little League as a kid and I ate, slept, and dreamed baseball. I collected and organized my cards obsessively. So later, when I started playing with a ball and organizing leagues... Creating player cards came naturally. When the HWL first started, the cards were not something that interested the players as much. But in 2014, the planets aligned in many ways for us. And we had a lot of talented players and personalities within our league. The cards were suddenly a hit and have remained so ever since. There has been one card that everyone demanded I produce that just hasn't materialized and is for one of the most legendary players that has ever played in our league, Drew McClanahan. So last April, I teased on our league's website that a Drew McClanahan card may finally be finding its way to the light of day. However, when the article was finally released, many didn't realize that it was April the 1st, a crucial detail. I'd venture to say that virtually none of the listeners here keep up that much with our website, So I thought it'd be fun to provide an audio version for this insane article that I wrote about this card. Enjoy. searched all over the place for one of these cards. I've left no stone unturned and stopped at every flea market and roadside swap meet within a five-state radius 
that sells sports cards and memorabilia in the off chance that maybe there will be an authentic Drew McClanahan wiffle ball card. I've sacrificed a lot over these years in my quest for such a card. I cannot tell you how many disappointed phone calls I've made to loved ones in the rain from a public phone booth informing them that I'd be missing yet another birthday or holiday. Sometimes a phone call would be a courtesy that I wish could be afforded. Oftentimes I would be relegated to having to send a postcard from whatever godforsaken town I was in so that my family would know where I was while I searched for my esoteric treasure. About two months ago, I was sitting in a diner in Tightwad, Missouri, scribbling my brief billet doux to my wife back home who had long grown fatigued with my tireless pursuit for this piece of cardboard. I started to wonder if maybe she was right. Am I spending too much time searching for this thing? How many miles must a man travel before yielding to the fact that I may never find this prize? I looked down at my coffee-stained atlas on the table and saw the many markings made on the frayed pages. Despite all the studying and searching, I had come up empty-handed over these years. Rain streaked down the window of the booth beside me that it made it difficult to see outside in the dark, but I saw what I thought to be a familiar shape in the parking lot, but couldn't quite make it out. An older gentleman sat in another booth across the restaurant in the corner. His back was turned. He had his right arm draped over the back of the booth with a cigarette between his fore and middle finger. The smoke ascended toward the dim light overhead as the waitress brought him his toast and coffee. My attention went back to my correspondence I was attempting to compose to my family on the back of the postcard. What could I say? Was I going to miss Easter? How many more futile miles would I roam in this fruitless search before finally tucking my tail between my legs and returning home this time? My tired eyes lifted from my memorandum to the mysterious man as he rose from his seat. He was only a few inches shy of seven foot tall and had a very slender frame. He had a well-worn navy suit on and his fine silver hair parted neatly. A dapper fellow to be sure in his day, but on this night, at half past one in the morning, he was not as dashing as he likely once was. As he walked across the grimy floor of this greasy spoon, the only thing that shined on him now wore the jet black Oxford dress shoes he had on. He walked strangely, but not with a limp. It was almost in a way that made you think that the shoes were too small for him. He appeared weary as well. It was very strange to see a man of his advanced age out at this time of night. Was he lost? He arrived at the jukebox, fumbled in his right jacket pocket for a moment, and summoned a dime from it and inserted it into the slot machine. He carefully examined the song selections and hit the arrow buttons repeatedly before he stopped and appeared to freeze for longer than a minute before tapping the select button and turning away. The machine came alive with sounds of levers and gears moving within as the 45-inch chosen began to fall toward the turntable. The needle dropped and the creature began to walk my direction with the sound of Blueberry Hill performed by Fats Domino playing behind him.
There was no one else in the restaurant there with this enigma besides the cook, waitress, and myself. He walked in time with the beat as I heard his heel tap the tile and sink with the snare drum. His necktie was loosened and the top two buttons of his Bavarian cream dress shirt undone, the sign of a man weathered by the events of his day. He arrived at my table, and a toothpick at the corner of his mouth fluttered as he spoke. Have you ever been to Misery, pal? I did not take his meaning, and my perplexed look must have been apparent to him as he took the seat across from me in the booth and continued, Is this your first time driving in Missouri? Or as I like to call it, Misery? Were it not such a late hour, I would have had a greater appreciation for his clever wordplay. There was also the matter of his strange accent and the tone in his voice. It was as if a mudslide could speak. He sensed my lack of appreciation for his icebreaker. The light just above the booth gave me a much better look at him now, and I could see the look of embarrassment creep across his face. He appeared pale from a distance, but absolutely ashen up front. What the man was lacking in exposure to sunlight, he was trying to supplement with small talk. I decided to stop being an asshole and oblige in response. Yes, I've been here a few times, I said. He seemed delighted by this and said, I figured that was the case. I could not help but notice your out-of-state tags. I was a little concerned that the stranger had noticed this detail and asking me about my business, but he was harmless, right? The smoke cleared from the table and I could see the dark circles under his evergreen eyes. I didn't see the harm in humoring the man and told him that I had been traveling on and off for the past few years searching for an exceptional card that had evaded my grasp thus far. Just then his brows raised slightly and he said, Oh, so you're a card collector. I confirmed with a nod. He stretched out his cadaverous lily white hand and gruffly said, Name's Bud Fisher, collector, buyer, and seller of trinkets, memorabilia, whatnots, knickknacks, and cards. What are the odds? He put out his cigarette against the tabletop and pointed it out the window and remarked, That's my rig out there. I wiped the condensation from the window on my side of the booth and gazed through, and then in the distance I could see the familiar shape on the edge of the parking lot next to Highway 7. I couldn't believe it. It was an Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. I was in disbelief as Blueberry Hill faded to silence, and only the dishwashers could be heard, and I directed my attention back to Bud. I have one, you know. I didn't understand, but he continued. I've been chasing cards since I was a boy when the Dodgers were still in Brooklyn. I believe I have what you're looking for. He arose from his seat and asked, Well, are you coming? At this point, I'd been to countless estate sales, specialty shops, and other godless bazaars, so why not see what this old man has gotten his collection at the approaching witching hour? I got up, left my tip on the table, and hit the door two steps behind the man with ghastly features. I trailed Bud into the deepening darkness of the parking lot. I was guided at first only by the sound of his footsteps as the heels of his dress shoes struck the asphalt. But when he sensed I was having difficulty following him, he began to whistle the familiar melody of Blueberry Hill to guide me through the abyss like a pied piper across the expanse of the lot. I heard the jingle of his keys emerging from his pants pocket. We'd arrived. I keep my cards in the back of my wiener. What the hell had I gotten myself into? 
it had dawned on me the irony of my possible happening upon a Drew McClanahan card at this moment from a man driving an Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Drew will tell anyone who will listen about how our friendship was never the same due to me not stopping the car to take a photo with one while we were on the way to the 2014 NWLA tournament. Perhaps he's searching as hard for this Wienermobile as I was for one of his cards. I thought about texting him at this moment to let him know that I'd found one, but since we weren't as close as we used to be, I figured it was best not to wake him. I'd have to keep this a secret. I've sacrificed so much to get one of these cards. What's one more secret? What's one more friendship? Bud hit a button on the fob and the trunk, or tip, foreskin, of the wiener open. When we walked to the back and I gawked into the back of the vehicle, he said, Feast your eyes. There were thousands, perhaps millions of cards inside loosely, about like schools of fish in the sea. I got everything. Mantle. DiMaggio, Robinson, all the way up to the new fellas. What are you looking for? I told him that I'm not really looking for a baseball card and explained that what I was looking for is a Drew McClanahan wiffle ball card. Oh, a man of culture. This way. He motioned toward the side of the wiener on wheels to the door inside. He disappeared into the vehicle and returned with a suitcase a short time later plopped it down on the picnic table nearby and turned on his flashlight. Yeah, white gloves on now, and had another pair as well. We're these. These cards are mint condition, and I intend to keep them that way. People's hands are disgusting and greasy. They ruin everything. Cards are too pure for this world, and all I ask is you respect them and keep your bare mitts off them. Do you hear? Bud was not playing around. The harsh glare of his eyes and flashlight moved from me back to his suitcase where it opened to reveal only one card inside. An autographed Drew McClanahan rookie card. To say that it was in mint condition would be an understatement. It was pristine. I was aghast. All I could say was, how? I met him once. This doesn't make any sense. Had I crawled into bed at the Roach Motel across the street already and just not realized it yet? Is this a dream? Without letting Buck continue with his story, I expressed with delight how Drew was quite possibly the greatest wiffle ball player to ever come out of West Virginia, and Bud scoffed. Son, don't kid yourself. I'll be right back. And he disappeared once more into his wiener. I wonder what was up with Bud. Sure, he was an odd guy, but very pleasant otherwise. I put it out of my mind, though, because I was hopefully just minutes away from walking away with my treasure and then off to make amends with my loved ones for my long absence. But while he was back in the vehicle, I couldn't help but wonder what it would feel like to hold the bare rookie card in my hand. Bud was gone. How could he know? It'll soon be mine anyway. So I removed the card from the protective case and held it in my bare hands, and it felt like magic coursing through my body. But just then, I heard Bud coming back through the internal shaft of his vehicle, and I quickly put the card back in his case. He handed me another card. It was a significantly older card of a man bearing a striking resemblance to the man I saw gliding across the diner floor towards me earlier that night, but a much younger version of him. What do you think of that? 
He looked at me expecting some sort of recognition or perhaps affirmation. But truth be told, I'd never heard of Bud Fisher before that night, nor of the team that he played for on the card, the Arlington Pussy Willows. He looked at the Drew McClanahan rookie card with horror and exclaimed, Filth! <laughs> I'm sorry, what now? You put your filthy mitts on that card. It'll be mine soon enough. Why do you even care if I touch it? Have you no respect for the cards? Or for me? Or for yourself? I think not. I became rather angry at this time. I hadn't gotten a proper night's rest in weeks. And now this old man's screaming at me in the middle of the night in this parking lot. But before I could think of a further rebuttal, Bud took the few strides necessary to close the gap between us. The card isn't yours, and now it never will be. And he punched me in the face with such force that I could never have predicted. I was out cold. I woke up a couple hours later with dried blood on my lip and a sobering amazement of a man old enough to remember the construction of the highway system had rolled me in the parking lot. I suppose I had it coming. What was I even doing with my life? I got up and dusted myself off the best I could. One of the bus boys kindly waved and smirked from out front while he was on his smoke break as I limped toward my car. Bub was nice enough to leave my keys, but not my wallet. I get inside my car and sit down, relieved yet defeated. From the corner of my eye, I see something peeking from my visor. I pull it down, it's a card, but it's a misprint, a cartoonish version of a Drew McClanahan card, where he's compared to a unicorn, a final fuck you from Bud. I put the key in the ignition and started the car. The oldies radio station I had it on last began to play Blueberry Hill, performed by Fats Domino. I wanted to turn it off, but I left it. I had spent too long searching for what I wanted. It was time to accept what I deserved. So I set a course for home. Hope you enjoyed this weird <laughs> episode that I brought to you guys. I hope you guys have a good weekend. Monday, the Cooks are going to be back talking about some Maw action. I know their last episode was good, kind of previewing their opening day tournament. And then on Tuesday, Texas Tim is back. I've been really enjoying his state-by-state uh, wiffle ball classic idea. Very intrigued by this. And then on Wednesday, of course, the Steffes brothers have been continuing talking about all things Minnesota Whipple. And then on Thursday, Skeeby and Cam Smith have been kind of taking turns tag teaming talking about uh, Missouri Whipple stuff. So a lot of great things happening thus far on the podcast for season 15. Keep up online with the discussion on Twitter at Holy Commutes. That's H-O-L-E-Y Commutes on Twitter and we'll catch you guys next week.